0: okay so one more time then with with uh, emphasis with what what is the topic
1: <laughs> i think the beauty of this uh, webcast is uh, talk without being prepared <laughs> that's <It's> the beauty yeah that's <laughs> from 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 heart to mouth no brain
2: oh that's nice i'm in the right place <laughs> yeah
0: Chris Lockhart. Welcome to another episode of Consultant Saying Things. I'm joined today by Carol Hamilton, Phil Yanoff, and Shashin Sharmali. Uh, today, we're talking about um, opportunities provided by technology, uh, both to create value within a company um, and also during times of crises, uh, potentially um, as value opportunities for private equity firms or even in a merger and acquisition type situation. So, um, thanks for joining, guys. Um, Shashi, I want to throw to you real quick, because I know you, You congratulations, you just started a new job, right, in the P&PE P space, or is it M&A? Why don't you tell
1: us what you're doing now and how this is uh, applicable to this topic? Yeah, so, I right now uh, joined a firm, one of the big four firms uh, in the value creation practice, and that is through technology. Uh, it caters primarily to the private equity market, but we also work with the uh, corporate buyers um, who are looking to buy a smaller company to strengthen their or diverse their portfolio or strengthen their capability in a specific area. Um, that's one way companies like Hondas and Toyotas kind of go for corporate innovation. If there is some good smaller company which is doing some great innovation, they have an eye on that. So they would put some of their equity a little bit uh, and see how that thing goes. And if it be successful, they buy that. Uh, Salesforce did that with Velocity. Salesforce did that with Mulesoft. So these were two of the firms which were, kind of, you know, doing really well. Um, but Salesforce put some kind of an investment in them. But later on, they ended up buying both the companies, and now they are part of larger Salesforce practice. So I, I work for that, and primarily focus more on, uh, you know, technology due diligence, which is around when they look at buying the firm. Look at their not only corporate IT uh, landscape, but also look at their if they have a software product, or some sort of a proprietary platform, how scalable that is, and how you can create value. Uh, if if you can create value using those technologies, because that's what you are paying for. So I, I work in that industry right now.
0: So it's kind of interesting because it's like twofold, right? It sounds like you know there's an opportunity for consultants and practitioners to help their clients look at their technology portfolio and unlock value through that technology portfolio. I think what's interesting about this um, and the topic that you brought up is, this is an opportunity also for other companies to look at acquisition, right? And see if there is um, a distressed company in time of crisis that maybe is... Or
3: sorry. or is a prescription. Alexa, just-
1: stop. <laughs> f- <laughs> you, you shouldn't get that part. Was that was there. a good one.
2: Is technology encroaching on this particular conversation? This is value creation right here. <laughs> I say, it's hard. No, no, ask her what your answer say, is.
1: Hey, Alexa, hi. So I want to wake up Alexa. Alexa, hi. No. I she listen to Alexa,
3: ignore
0: him. Don't listen to him. <laughs> she doesn't know it. Um, I don't know. What was I saying? Um, I totally <laughs> lost my thread.
3: I think you're asking Alexa to add canola oil to the shopping list. <laughs> With a
0: one-click buy. It's already on <laughs>
3: 128 ounces, please. <laughs>
0: So it sounds like Shashi, what you're talking about is there's a dual opportunity here. There's one for consultants to help their clients uh, unlock value through technology. But what I'm really interested in here is this idea that uh, during a time of crisis, there are distressed companies that potentially are good targets for acquisition by private equity firms um, or other companies and um, able to able to look at the technology of that firm as a potential uh, lever for creating value
1: absolutely it's a pretty valid situation especially in this type of uh, crisis what we are going through right now uh, it happened even in 2008 and we are talking to you know some of our clients and they have been saying that they did not invest enough in 2008 when the actual great recession happened which means that you know they are looking at getting more in you know investment done in the current time frame now, I was reading a report a couple of days ago and it said it's a $2 trillion dry powder sitting with the private equity firms right now. So they cannot keep the money. How do they, how do they, how do they run their business, right? So they raise money through various kinds of funds, through you know, wealthy individuals and through some public institutions, some college, uh, university grants and other stuff, right? So that's how they raise the fund. Once they have the fund, they've got to go to buy the company and then turn it around and sell it at a higher value. So they're sitting on the fund and sitting cash is their enemy. So they need to do something right now. And this is a good time for them to look for companies which has some resident value within that, uh, but that has undergone some sort of a distress because they are running out of cash, but their product or service itself is good. So So they they would be looking for that.
0: Wait a second. Phil, is this just like friendlier corporate (laughs) rating?
3: I mean... I get it. You know, it, it's, I mean, you're looking for discount, right? I mean, you're looking for stuff that for one reason or another. And, you know, this is kind of, I guess, that like said, the space that Shashi's in. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, but I certainly have been around companies that said, you know what, we got cash on our hands and this is the time to find folks who might be ready to sell if they're ready to sell. So, I guess in some cases it might be corporate rating. I mean, in some cases it might be a friendly buy. Someone just says, you know what, this wasn't the right time for us. And you know, I have certainly been around entrepreneurs who found themselves in a spot to say, you know what, I we're in a bad spot at this moment, and I'm trying to make sure that the folks who work for me can keep their jobs, or at least as many so. of them who can. And therefore, they sold their businesses. You know, and I said, and I think I'm thinking about one guy in particular. He's like. I didn't make a bunch of money off this, but I did keep everybody working, and that was what his goal was.
1: Exactly, because you—if you really think about it, um, right—if people are not venturing out, right, if businesses cannot sustain, then they eventually will go bankrupt, and everybody's going to lose their job, and there'll be value destroyed. So instead of that, if you are able to partner with some sort of an investor. Um, and that's what government is doing. They are providing to small businesses some sort of fund so they can kind of sustain or stay afloat. But how much they can provide depends on uh, depends on an individual business. So I think it's a perfectly fair model um, as long as you evaluate the company, company in the right way. And they don't get rid of the management. I have not seen them get rid of the management. It's just that uh, for a certain you know million or billion dollars, they have some certain equity stake in that. Um, Other than that, they work with the management to turn around the company and
2: help them in this time of crisis. I think the language of that is really important. I like the way you said that you're coming in and helping the management work it out when in a time of crisis. And in my mind, the branding of this is going to be critical because you don't want to look like the corporate raider who came charging in during the middle of a crisis and started raping and pillaging. Because that could certainly be, I mean, somewhat if you buy it, if nobody will buy from you once you own it.
1: It's going to destroy the long-term reputation of that uh, investment firm. Um, So they definitely are very cautious about that. They don't want to um, be perceived as, uh, what do you call it, Um, there are so many preys around, so they are just ready to catch um, those preys. So they don't want to look like that. But at the same time, they have to do business. Um, At the same time, other people need money, so supply and demand can match. And if there is a fair deal, why not? Mm -hmm. It's a great opportunity for them. Um, for both both the partners over a longer period.
0: If if particular clients or companies don't aren't necessarily seeing this as an opportunity because they're at the moment running scared right and trying to protect uh, you know turtle themselves and protect everything. If if this is an opportunity for um, their advisors us to raise some of these things with them. In other words, bring to them um, opportunities in this space. Maybe that's maybe it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, you know what. You, you you wanted to buy a fintech two, three years ago when we were talking about this before, you know, now's your opportunity to go pick something up here. We've put together um, some due diligence on on your behalf, right? Take a look at this.
2: Don't you think that's that's just part of, a core part of consulting, right? Is to be the eyes and ears. And I think right now is the time to, to be as disruptive and, and creative as you can, while they're not in creative mode. To your point, they're too busy turtling for the moment. And so now, while you have perhaps a few extra minutes you can look about, I think that's really added value on the consultant's part. Well,
1: we, so we, we are trying to put together something um, um, for our clients, which are being hit by, the portfolio companies are being hit by this whole COVID uh, fiasco. Uh, what we realized is, you know, clients need your reaction would be to cut costs, right? And they're going to look at every corner where they can cut costs. But the risk with that is if they cut cost in the wrong places, this thing is going to significantly backfire in not only the long term, even in the midterm, and especially in the case of technology, because what it has taught us is you work with your supplier. It's not about that company itself being ready to support your virtual workforce, alternate business model, alternate delivery model through digital channels for their products and services. Not only that, but also the vendors who are supplying to them how much capable they are uh, to handle these kind of pandemic situations, so that's what this scenario has taught us. So,
0: and Phil, maybe you've seen this maybe more than a lot of folks. Um, I've given some of the companies you've worked for in the in the past. But when you think about like a, a, this type of acquisition or a company in distress and being acquired by another company, and then the you know value attempting to be unlocked by the technology within that firm, what's the downstream impact on suppliers and? and partners and uh, vendors and and things of that nature, because it seems like if I'm going to come in and I'm going to rationalize a portfolio, say, right? And a company, a target company, that um, that's going to have greater impact than downstream. And actually destroy value downstream while I'm creating value up close, right? I'm,
3: well, uh, I mean, I certainly think that that's possible, right? I mean, and again, I guess we, we have to decide what do we think distress actually means, right? I mean, because if distress is to the point that they're no longer a going concern, that's one thing, right? I mean, that's where it might all just go away. Those guys might never get paid. But uh, certainly, you know, if, if they get wrapped up, there's going to be the kind of shuffle around that happens what people do with vendors when that makes sense. So... Yeah, this is some uncertainty, but for most companies, I mean, if we can continue staying in business, I think that's a positive thing. We're just, we're looking for money.
0: I'm wondering if any of your C-suite clients are thinking in terms of acquisition or thinking in terms of their technology and the value they can extract from it right now, or are they in turtle mode?
2: Uh, Most are in, well, The turtle mode is interesting in that they're trying to figure out what the heck to do in terms of just even bringing people back or not. I mean, there's a whole conversation going on about who are we listening to and how are we going to manage that, that's probably bigger. But I actually have one client, it's a new one, who is in the midst of a merger and they're going to continue through with it. And I think technology is becoming a big part of the conversation of what platforms are we using. And in their case, it's a high security, is a huge part of the conversation. And so, how are we merging? security in a, in a very effective way. And there's a lot of conversation around how are we um, putting this forward so that we're managing the fear that always accompanies a emerge. Do I have a job at the other end of this? Which company am I gonna be a part of? What is my role gonna look like? In the midst of all the other fear that's going on. And so they're, I think what, what they've decided to do is just slow it down. It is still progressing, but they're trying to make sure that they're just communicating constantly. And part of that is, what platforms are we on? What have you used to communicate? How can we make sure that everybody understands it's going forward, there's nothing to be afraid of? Even though we have actually don't have those answers, but we're, we're we're working from the minute by minute that we have.
0: So I wonder what we mean then, like when we say, you know, unlocking value with technology. Like, what does that actually mean? That's for anyone. That's a- I have my own view of what that means in my context, but. I'm kind of curious. I mean, Shashi, what,
1: what do you think? What is what so, it? Mean? Yeah, so value for, a, value for any company is essentially two things, right? One is the top line, which is if you are able to get, how do you generate more revenue by either attracting more customers through different channels or venturing into a different kind of market or different kind of products or service line. So that's one type of value you can create. One, you know, what do you call it? One end of the value. Another is the bottom line where you... Uh, become operationally more efficient. You spend less to generate same or the more kind of money, right? So that's the second lever. So these are the two basic levers to generate value. And all the companies tries to you know, increase their top line as much as they can and reduce their bottom line as much as they can. So technology has a role to play in both the areas.
0: But both of those definitions of value are dollar-based. Yes, that's a good one. Is there not any other type of value here that we're talking about? Human value, people value, I don't know.
1: Yeah, people. you, you said people are the problem. What are you talking about? They <laughs> <laughs> don't add value, they destroy value. <laughs> I, th- I
0: think about um, some stuff I've seen on uh, Tom Graves, who I know we've talked to in the past, right, has, has written a lot about different forms of value. value is not always dollar denominated, or yes. in his case, pound denominated, right? Um, and that value to a company may be as simple as IP. It may be, you know, um, uh, a, a entrance to a particular market. Right. Uh, an example: when United Airlines um, acquired the rights to fly to Hong Kong, right? Those have extreme value, right, to that to that company. Even though year one, two, three, they're losing money on it as they uh, attempt to market um, those routes, right? But the routes themselves extremely valuable. Northwest Airlines, when it was acquired by Delta the value was not in failing Northwest Airlines. The value was in the routes that Northwest Airlines owned to Asia. That's what Delta wanted, right? So when I, when I think of value, um, I don't know, I think, it, I think there are lots of different definitions. I mean, someone tell me I'm wrong or-
1: Oh no, you, you, are, no, you, you are right. So that's where the company needs to step back and think, what does a value mean <clears throat> for them? And then focus on either creating it through multiple levers which they can think of. You're absolutely right. It's like the term architecture, right? means well,
3: anything so, to anyone. So in a standard SWOT analysis, right, so this is the opportunity that's existent in the moment. And this is one of the things that I'm guessing that you're working with companies do. And I know that we're doing it from a small business standpoint, right? I'm going with folks and saying, in this moment, what are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, right? We, and the thing is, it's super easy to see the threats in this moment or to feel the weaknesses that you've got but the fact is if you've got some situational advantages what exactly are the opportunities that did not present themselves to you before shashi your screen's shaking
1: like really it's oh. like bouncing no, no it's fine i shouldn't be No, it was because no. I bumped. So how do we With get the
3: zoom that? is a rockin', don't come a knocking <laughs> we...
1: no i think we but but this is still going in the direction like it's we are talking, when you talk about value creation, you want to first agree on what value means to anyone. So I think you are hitting the right question. I'm glad you asked that. Well, could be well I'm unique... looking at it from a totally financial standpoint, and you are looking at it more from a society and you know, other dimensions.
0: I mean, ultimately, ultimately, yeah. ultimately, I believe it's about money, but... <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the... It's always about money. I mean, that's Yeah, I mean, look... It...
3: For those of you who are wrong about this, what is it other than money that this could be about, right? I mean, that's not what it's here. That's not why we're here.
1: I mean, that's what private equity firms care about (laughs) of all the financial institutions.
3: Well, that's return. They're about return. They're They're not looking for continuity. They're looking for return.
1: So value for them is the shareholder value. Whoever has invested in their fund, they want to return with the healthy. So that (laughs) they can
0: get the next. I think you could make a strong argument that with the firm, they're not interested in value. They're interested in return. Right? Right. You know, they're interested in, in going from, uh, you know, X to Y or Y to X, or whatever, whatever direction that is that signifies up, right?
3: A to B, yeah. A to B.
0: They're yeah. interested in, you know, a 10% return. Whether or not there's any value involved in any of that, I think is entirely debatable, right? And I think it goes back to this, you know, what is value to a firm? And maybe, I mean, here's another argument, Again, I'm just throwing this out here for anyone to comment on. Another argument would be maybe there is no technology in a particular firm that could unlock value.
1: No, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's not like that. I mean, they look at the, sometimes like management of a company is uh, not good enough and the value is getting destroyed because of the way company is being managed, right? For example, sales or marketing function is not performing the way it should be because they have daily crappy marketing organization. Whereas this particular private equity firm they have strength in sales and marketing area or they have contacts people who have been chief sales officer they had those kind of take some of the interim management role and you know the leverage technology leverage technologies underlying but that's not the sole reason sole reason is the way they manage the company that is the key i mean think of like, like hospitals are most of the time hospital margins are really less most of the hospital run in what losses why because they run hospitals like an institution and don't think of running it like a business.
0: The, the, the issue that I really find with it is that definition of value. What is value to a company, right? And there could be a ton of different ways to unlock that value. Yeah. Um, I think in the case of the PE firm like you, you were talking about, maybe maybe that's only dollar denominated. Maybe that's just about return.
3: Let me just go back to the spot where we were on this. Cause I think that's the real thing or that is part of this conversation is that, you know, the leadership of the company, the folks involved in it, the right. They need to be able to take this moment and say, um, Here's where we're strong. Here's and here are opportunities, but they may not be ready. That I mean, in fact, they might even be distracted. You know, I always think about it and, you know, you'll you probably remember which plane this was. But you remember that there was this plane that crashed into a mountainside because some indicator light was going off and everybody in the cockpit was worried about one light and they kept tapping the light and trying to figure out what was going wrong. And when they looked up, they found out that they were actually going into a mountainside because one indicator light and the whole thing had four people. Tracking in on it. And I'm saying that because we're in a time where this feels big. And I mean, and it's not, again, in city areas, folks are genuinely. You know they're dying, being sick. They're dying. I mean, we're it's we're being overwhelmed. But in lots of places, people don't even understand it. We're just saying, okay, well, we need to do this. We need to be safe. And of course, we see the economy doing what the economy is doing. And we are so afraid about one thing. One pain is overwhelming our mental processes, so we're not looking for okay. hold on, what if this is the way the world works right now? What if this is what's going on? How can I find a new spot for me to work in? I mean, what is the ground that is uncontested? And at this moment, something I can find myself in, which enhances the business that I'm in right now, or expands the business. I mean, I don't know what that is. But I the point you're trying to make in this podcast, I think is opportunities do exist for not everybody, but a lot of people take them.
0: Well I think that's fascinating because you know I know Shashi and I spend a lot of time in firms like ours spend a lot of time trying to help companies in normal times understand where their you know their capabilities are that are differentiating secret sauce capabilities and that is their competitive advantage in a particular market or a particular space and that they should focus on those those capabilities in this particular time you know a competitive advantage might simply be the thing that you would have normally done anyway in a regular time. It's just in this time, no one else is doing it because everyone else is turtled, right? Um, and you're the only one that is got your eyes up and looking around like, oh, hey, I see opportunity here where none existed before. And maybe that right there is 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 the definition of value at this point in time.
3: Yeah, the battlefield is a little less cluttered for some people because the other warriors, the other factions didn't show up for the battle, right? I mean. They're tied up trying to figure out what they're, they're worried about their own stuff and they didn't show up to serve the customer. Shashi, I have
2: a
0: question for you though on this. Like, Does this unfairly then position PE firms with an advantage because this is their business is looking for opportunities?
1: Well, yes. so yeah, there is an advantage they have provided. And um, two things I want to bring up. One is at which stage of their fund they are. So they generate fund, right? Each fund is typically life cycle is seven to 10 years. Right. So where are they in that process? If they have just raised funds, it's a great time. But sure. if it, this is the time when they're trying to exit a business, either by having them do IPO or somebody else, it's a worse time for them. So that is one thing. Second thing is, uh, to what Karen said, um, You know, and, and genuinely private equity firms are worried about it, how will they be perceived in the market? Looking out for uh, people in distress situation and buying them out. Uh, so, so there is that angle as well. So it is a great opportunity, but at the same time, it depends on two things about the brand, as well as the phase or the stage of the fund where they are in.
0: Well, Carol, let me follow up on that with you. Cause I I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Does anyone really care what, if you're PE firm, do you really care what the public, I mean, most people don't know Smith, John and Bob Co. right? You know, sitting in some office in midtown Manhattan, right? Running a a a fund.
2: It's not about the fund. It's about who they buy. It's the, okay. it's the brand they're buying. Now you've come in as the corporate vulture. You've right. eaten somebody up and now you're putting them back into the marketplace, hopefully with a higher value. Did you just destroy their brand in the process because you look like a money, a money monger?
0: Yep. Yep. I, I don't know might be a great example of that, right?
2: Yeah. So, And there's another, I wanted to speak to this other opportunity because I think this is is huge. The world has gone online in an unprecedented speed. And I have seen in the education field, especially in amongst uh, professional facilitators, there's a whole group of people saying, oh, no, no, we shan't do such things, that's beneath us. We must be in person or we simply can't do our jobs. They have amazing brands, they have huge firms that are sitting out there saying, no, no, we'll wait till it goes live, which may never happen again, uh, or will happen at a far smaller percentage. Those people are ripe for the picking because the brand is still strong today but it is going to lose value because of their inability to change. And I'm sure this isn't the only industry that's true.
0: So, so value in terms of dollars, value in terms of brand, right? I got that, right? Um, Value in terms of people's lives and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. But I guess what I'm wondering is, obviously I'm being facetious. What I'm wondering is, are, are there, are there threats? Are there new threats to value um, that we haven't seen before? Or is, is this crisis just like the financial crisis? It's just another iteration of that? Or is this?
3: Oh, I, think, I think there are all kinds of threats, and they're yeah. wacky, right? I mean, you just don't know what they are. And I was just talking to someone earlier, who the threat to their business is not that they can't, that their workers can't do it, they're essential, they can show up, their customers are there and willing to write them a check, to do the job there. It's big customers, a good sized company, but they can't go to work because the government is on hiatus and won't issue the permits to actually get the work started. So there they are. They can't actually do the work or make the money or do their job because just at the moment that those permits are not being processed. I mean, that's a threat that didn't exist
1: before.
2: And how long can they hold out? Right. Right. Now you'll find out what their their margins have been. How long do they have?
1: I mean, the biggest, I mean threat, the biggest threat, I think, to all the companies coming out of this pandemic is it's going to change the fundamental behavior of people and the society. It's going to fundamentally, it did not happen in the Great Recession time. How, how, not how, is
3: that, how is that going to change fundamentally?
1: How huh. do you interact? The Show way you, your work. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, so basically, because of people, people are not going to like, you know, be... For example, restaurants in New York City, right? They sit like, you know, forget about six feet. They sit like, you know, this close to each other. Two tables are like this close to each other. Right. Right? Now, for at least next year or a couple of years, if this thing, God forbidden, if this thing comes back again, the way, I mean, I was watching a video in China, like all the restaurants, the way they are serving is it's everything is takeout or the carryout. Mm-hmm. That is second thing. Third thing is people will go more and more online and less contact. Related activities. They would try to do more. I was uh, watching something and said that, you know, those drive in theaters will come into play more than, you know, going to a theater where you have like 100 or 300, 400 people sitting and watching a movie together. So some of those things will be challenged and some alternate business model will pop up and businesses need to start thinking about. They need to do pandemic tests. If something like this comes up in, like, say, next summer or next fall, how are they going to operate? The virtual workforce so for example in my current firm there was a you know leadership call yesterday and they said that you know, we are going to take this as an opportunity and we will continue to operate in the way we are operating now no coming back to you know within the office and stuff like that they will get rid of all those expensive real estate there is a flip side to it but companies are seriously thinking about the changing behavior of customers and suppliers and everything
0: Well, yeah the changing behavior of customers right and and in the pre-roll to this, we had a little discussion about you know, um, you know whether this isn't whether the reactions are entirely fear-driven or not, right? Yep. In terms of the, the pandemic, and so I, I mean, I, I think, so I, I think you're right. I think behaviors of people right drive. I'm them, always right. right, But but no, but like whether or not there's rationale behind how people are behaving,
2: yes.
1: right? They're behaving in a particular way. Whether or not Yeah, justified or not no. I agree. It's like stock market. People trade, right? There is no philosophy behind it. I'm not a value investor. I invest because I want to trade. People do that. Yeah. I I I agree.
2: it's an agility piece. There's no question, but who knows? You have to be able to be very, very flexible to these ever-changing pieces. So the, one of the CEOs of one of the airlines came out, I think, yesterday, the day before, and he said, this is no problem. Don't worry about it. Travel Business travel is coming back. Of course, all the business people are coming back. And I'm listening to my clients over there going, no, actually, it's not. It will, but in a much, much different face. It's not yes. gonna, our consultants are not going to be in the air the way they were. It's just oh, not going to happen.
3: Just this bit, Chris. I mean, this is where you were headed, you know, because this, your audience, I mean, the audience here, right? There are folks who are acting in a consultative way to other clients, right? And so I think that it has to be, there is certainly an opportunity here as a consultant to lead your clients into discovering some of those opportunities and, you know, perhaps even moderating their response to some of the threats, but to actually look for opportunities if their head is available for that. And if not, help them navigate to that spot.
1: I, I agree, like you know, this, uh, to all the consultants out there, there are tremendous opportunity. It's just that you have to make your clients realize, and hopefully they will, that there is an opportunity and this is the time they need you the most um, to help them because, There is a fire in their business. They cannot extinguish the fire while being in the forest. They have to step out, and that's what consultants do. There's no connection. We will look from a more comprehensive way. So go out there. Don't give hope. Give your best. And there are opportunities out there. It's just that you have to, A, find it. B, convince your clients that there are opportunities.
2: I love that. I love that you help them with the due diligence because they may not be able to hear it or they can hear it and go, yeah, good idea, but we don't have time for that. And to Chris's point, you walk in the door with, with the due diligence done to some degree, and now you've made that decision so much easier for them to make. I think that's a huge plus to being a consultant. Yeah. And I think,
0: I think, you know, that probably extends to all forms of value, right? Whatever the perception of value is in a particular company, right? And, um, you know, walking in the door in the case of what you were just discussing, right, with due diligence on a particular acquisition gives, you know, opens their eyes. I think the same is true in a lot of different aspects, right? So one particular client, we went in, we did all the pre-work and it was like, here's where we think you are going to save X millions of dollars, right? And they weren't even thinking about that stuff before. They were in turtle, they were like, you gotta protect everything. They weren't thinking about some new capabilities and some rationalization, right? And some transformation work that um, they should do. Um, It'll save them money and they'll give them more capability. But anyway, okay, (laughs) great. Thanks guys. Um, Interesting conversation about value. Um, I appreciate it. Phil Yanoff, Shashi Sharmali, Carol Hamilton. um, Thanks everyone for watching. Uh, Be sure to check out the YouTube channel. You can Google consultants saying things and find all the good stuff. Um, also, there is there is a LinkedIn page that's been set up um, in addition to the website, and it has all of, the, um, all of the episodes out there as well. So please do that. Like, share, comment. Let, click the bell.
3: For subscribe and like, <laughs> subscribe and subscribe like. And like uh, up here.
0: Yeah. Shameless. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks everybody.
2: Thank you.